0: This is The Look Ahead on v The Sports Betting
2: Network. It's our number two of The Look Ahead right here on v The Sports Betting Network. Craig Hoops here and holding it down tonight as you wind up seeing Scott Seidenberg on the nightcap. So we sort of do a little bit of a switcheroony. You've got Scott on the nightcap, You've got myself here on The Look Ahead. I know that. Tim Murray, along with Sean King. They've been putting in some work this week on Follow the Money. I'll actually be joining a little bit of a programming alert. Matt Humans, along with Dave Ross on Follow the Money. What is going to be tomorrow for some of us, what is today for some of you guys at 7.45 a.m. Eastern, 4.45 a.m. Pacific time. So we're getting some run today. I'm very, very much looking forward to that because it is the best time of year. It's college basketball time. And you know what that means. Here in hour number two of the look at, gonna be talking a lot of college basketball. In between there, we're gonna be talking a little bit of NHL as well. Minty Betts does an absolutely terrific job of taking a look at NHL. She does amazing work over there at Yahoo Sports. She's gonna be joining me in about 30 minutes. That is gonna be at 11:30 p.m. Pacific time. If you're out there on the East Coast, 2:30 a.m. So we're looking forward to that. And also, looking forward to a great day of college basketball on Thursday as how about if we wind up going with my DK Nation pick? These have been relatively hot. I've asked, I've had some of you guys ask what my record has been ever since I started writing these up. 23-6-1. Yep, we are going to try to keep this thing going. Is it sustainable? I'm not quite sure, but all I'm concerned about is trying to put one win together after the other and just not focusing on anything else. You just... Want to go one and zero every single day, and we're gonna to try to do that here as we go 8:23, 8:24. We're gonna be picking one of the big ones. Gonzaga hitting the road to face off against San Francisco. Don's are a nine and a half to a ten point underdog. Turtles anywhere between 156 and a half and 157. And when it comes to the spot, DK Nation pick. We're not gonna be overthinking it. We're not gonna to try to reinvent the wheel. I'm getting Gonzaga at anywhere between nine and a half and ten, and I'm willing to lay it. I to up saying is a half point favorite. This team has been a bulldozer out there in West Coast Conference play. They've won every single one of their games by at least 12 points in conference play. You've got a San Francisco team that they've just been all over the place. 10-17-1 against the spread. It's a Don's team that they're coming off of scoring north of 100 points against Pacific, but Pacific they have been a big giant money burner all season long, and well, they just aren't very good in general. Meanwhile, you take a look at this Gonzaga team. The Attention typically goes to the offense because the offense number two in the country with regards to points scored on a per possession basis in regards to raw points they're 89 and a half points. I believe that that leads all of college basketball, but what you've got to be taking a look at with Gonzaga as well, this defense, it is stifling number three in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, number one and number two are San Diego state and LSU. That tells you the sort of company that Gonzaga is keeping with that and Gonzaga, they shoot 62% from two-point range in true road games. This is a team that is absolutely magnificent with that regard. And you just notice it with Gonzaga. Whenever they wind up playing a road game out there in West Coast Conference play, whenever they wind up facing up against one of these teams, that they seem to be a little bit of an anti-air quotes here threat. The threat winds up getting dispatched very, very quickly. Gonzaga will not be messing around in this game. I know that there are some people that are fearing that it might be Little bit of a look at spot because they're going to be playing at St. Mary's on the road in a few days as well. I do not see that being the case. You got a San Francisco team that you do have a couple guys who do a good job of being able to put the ball in the basket. Khalil is able to give you 17 and a half points per game, shoots in the high 30s to mid 40s from three point range. You've also had a guy in Jamari Boye do a solid job of being able to chip in there right around a double digit amount of points per game. He shoots it well from three point range as well. Julian Rishwain has been able to give you. Little bit of production, but you've got Drew Timmy along Chad Holmgren. These two guys combined to be able to give you 32.5 points right around 14 or so boards. Then Chad Holmgren, he shoots over 44% from three-point range with three and a half blocks per game. That's just absolutely unfair right there. I mean, the guy has such a unique skill set. Ever since a little bit of a rocky start to the season, Andrew Nembhard has really been able to reign it in. He is not turning the ball over at all. He has been highly efficient for this team and for San Francisco. It's an offense that it's very touch and go because there are some nights in which San Francisco looks absolutely amazing on offense. And then there are other nights where they can't score 70 points against the Portland Pilots and they wind up losing that game outright. San Francisco, a team that ranks 92nd in the country with regards to possessions per game. Gonzaga, as we know, They're looking to gun it. Among your 358 D1 teams, Gonzaga, they're eighth in the country with regards to total possessions per game, and they really play up-tempo on the road. In terms of total possessions per game on the road, they are number one in all of college basketball. Number two, by the way, is Nebraska, because they play absolutely no defense whatsoever, but with Gonzaga, they're a team that they're willing to play very fast, and as a result, I wound up setting my total relatively high. I do think that you're going to see a little bit more scoring than we wound up seeing in game one. First time, these two teams wound up scoring off at the Kennel of 78-62. Gonzaga was able to get the job done for a win, but the total I wound up setting in this game is I wound up setting in more around a 162.5, so it is a spot in which I'm willing to take the over with Gonzaga. Made them a 12.5-point favor for DK Nation. You're going to see my pick on this one being Gonzaga on the spread. It's going to be either 9.5 or 10, depending upon what the overnight line is at DraftKings. Right now, I'm seeing 9.5, so anticipate something like that. But whether it be 9.5, whether it be 10, I do like this play with Gonzaga being able to lay the points. So that's what we're taking a look at there. When it comes to this college basketball Thursday, I do think that you're going to get some relatively good action when it comes to some of the other games out there as well. As You do have actually quite a few ranked teams that are going to be able to take center stage, and this is another major that is ranked. That would be murray state and they are going to be playing us to belmont this is 825 826 on the betting board you've got belmont who are finding themselves an underdog of anywhere between two and a half and three points draw game is saying we're 144, on 144 and a half. this is a game that opened up three and a half a lot of people gobbled up the points and rightfully so because i did what i'm saying this line at two and a half i do think that revenge is something you got to be taking a look at with belmont because first time around Murray State went on the road. They were six-point underdogs in that game, and they won outright comfortably against this Belmont team. And for Belmont, it's been a team that you're in in Europe. They have just ran the Ohio Valley Conference. They're a team that they turn the ball over fewer than 12 times per game. If you guys have ever heard of the college basketball guru, Evan Miyakawa, he does something that's really awesome with his site, EvanMia.com. He takes a look at players that are most indispensable and are most meaningful to their teams. And one of the players on there, a guy that ranks in the top five, that'd be Grayson Murphy. And what I think is intriguing about Grayson Murphy is that what makes him so indispensable to this Belmont team is not necessarily the scoring. He only gives you 7.5 points per game. If you were to take a look at that, you'd be like, yeah, why is this guy so indispensable? He does an okay job of being able to chip in there some production. But you take a look outside the scoring, and this guy just does it all for this team. 6.2 rebounds, 6 assists, 2.4 steals. He only turns ball over two times per contest. Does a great job with regards to just plus defense, on-ball defending, what have you. He has been absolutely tremendous. He's a guy that does it all. I mean, if you need him to get hot dogs at the hot dogs and at halftime, he is more than happy to do so for this team. He has been amazing. Nick Mazuzinski, I think that he's going to be able to have a solid game down low as well. Guy that's able to give you 16.5 points, 5.5 boards, 1.8 blocks per game. you can got a Belmont team that overall... I shoot about 34% from three-point range. Murray State shoots a little bit better from three, but big reason why I wound up setting this line at 2.5 as well is that I do think that it's going to be close enough to where you wind up getting late-game fouling. Murray State, they shoot have a collective about 68% at the free-throw line. Belmont, or around 74.5% at the free-throw line, and for Belmont, each out of your top four scores shoot at least 71% at the free-throw line and five out of your top six. You've been able to have Will Richard do a solid job being able to give you right around 12 points, five rebounds per game, You've got a Belmont team that with regards to two-point shooting percentage, they're number two in all of college basketball. Number one, that would be Gonzaga. But I do think that Belmont is going to be able to do a solid job in this game against a Murray State team that they do have, Tevin Brown, a guy that's able to shoot 37% from three, he and KJ Williams combined to be able to give you about 34 points per game. Now when it comes to Murray State, each of your top four scores do give you at least a seal per game. Trey Hannibal has come in from South Carolina. He's been able to do a very solid job for the team. I do like what you've been able to get as well out of, out of Justice Williams. He's been able to do a good job be able to give you right around five assists per game, has been able to help out Tevin Brown along with KJ Williams, but that said, Murray State does have a little bit of an issue when it comes to depth. Belmont, they've been able to do a better job of being able to utilize their bench. So spot which I'm willing to take the points with Belmont. I do think that you're going to get yourself a relatively good offensive game as well, as you've got a pair of teams that they do a relatively solid job of being able to put the ball in the basket. Both of these teams are solid with regards to being able to defend as well. But I do take a look at this Belmont team, the way that they're able to shoot from two-point range. I do think that that's going to keep them very alive in this game. And as a result, you do have a Belmont team that, with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, they rank 19th in all of college basketball. Murray State has been able to do it a little bit more from the outside. They're clocking in right in the neighborhood of closer to 17th in the country. But I do think that you're going to get lots of points. I'm looking at the overset. that sold at 146.5. And may Murray State, a 2.5-point favorites so here at 3+. plus. Going to be willing to take the points. With Belmont, when it comes to other games out there in college basketball, I do think that this one is going to be a relatively intriguing game as well. How about if we wind up going back out there to the West Coast Conference for another ranked team? How about if we go St. Mary's versus San Diego? San Diego, they're finding themselves as a relatively sizable underdog here. You're going to be fighting them anywhere between 11.5 and 12 points. as on the rotation. This is 839, 840. And you're fighting the total anywhere between 126.5 and 127.5. Despite the fact that St. Mary's is in the bottom 35 with regards to possessions per game and ranks in the top 30 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, they have actually been able to play quite a few overs recently, and I do think that this could be another case of that. You do have a St. Mary's team that has a quadrant of guys that I'll give you between 10.5 and 12 points per game. Matthias Toss has been able to do a good job being able to give you right around 6 sports per game, but for San Diego, I do think that Tyrell Brown is going to be able to keep them alive. guy that's able to give you 2.7 blocks right around six half boards. Chips in there a double-figure amount of points per game. You do have a San Diego team that last time these two teams wound up playing, they wound up getting blown out by 25-plus points. I think that it's going to be a little bit different in this game, especially with having Jace Townsend, a double-digit scorer, who's able to shoot 40-plus percent from three-point range. We're going to tie a little bit of a bow around this game breakdown on the other side, and then we're going to be diving into some more college basketball breakdowns next. Right here on The Lookout with myself, Greg epps right here on v Esports V-Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on
0: VCN, the sports betting network.
2: Need more college basketball insights? Well, check out Coast to Coast Hoops. It is hosted by myself, Greg Hoops fierce and while well, I will be taking a look at every single game on the college basketball betting board every single day to be able to find you betting opportunities, I wind up putting in their time markers as to at the specific time that I break down every single game. I have my opinion. On all of them, I provide you just with a little bit of everything. Matchups, I provide you with some trends that we're seeing. We recap everything that we wound up seeing in the day before and how to be able to turn it forward and make money on future games as well. You're able to check out this podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, now at VEASAN.com podcast or get it wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, catch up on every VEASAN show as well. That's on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. list goes on and on and for those of you guys who are listening to me live, that is going to be up in about 45 minutes. I always post this Coast to Coast Soup's podcast, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. If you're listening to the replay, well, it's there for you as well. So we have yeah, got you covered there, as it is a look at it. with myself, Greg Eubes-Pierce, and we were talking about this a little bit before as we were diving into some of the rank battles that we're getting on this college basketball Thursday, but was taking a look at this San Diego versus St. Mary's game. And when it comes to this San Diego team, I think that the big key for them is being able to have Marcelius Erlington being able to do a solid job for this bunch. He's a guy that's able to give you thirteen and a half points, six half boards per game, relatively well-rounded guy for a San Diego team that they shoot right around thirty-five percent from three point range. San Diego certainly not a pleaser with regards to possessions per game. As we know, you've got yourself a St. Mary's team that has won the solo teams out there in and out of college basketball. But I do think that San Diego is going to be able to keep themselves alive in this game, a team that does rank 248th in the country with regards to possessions per game. But you do take a look at how this team has been able to fare on offense in San Diego, and certainly has been a little bit better when it comes to when they've had Jay Sunset out there rather than when he's been off the floor. And what is actually really interesting is that San Diego has been scoring about 4.8 points fewer on a per-100 possession basis at home rather than on the road, which you typically don't find that very often. St. Mary's, they've been a team that has been relatively solid on offense with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis ranking in the top 50 there. So I do think that you're going to have enough juice to be able to get this total over. I do think that it's going to be saying in a realm in which you could wind up getting some late game following Wind up saying St. Mary's as a 10-point favorite, so getting north of that. Going to be taking a look at the points with San Diego, and I'm going to be taking a look at an over in the spot as well. Another game that I think is going to be very intriguing to take a look at. How about if we wind up going out to a little bit of a different conference from what we've been talking about tonight? How about if we wind up going out to the Big West? So we say out here, out West, but we're going to be looking at a little bit of a smaller league. UC Irvine. The anteaters. I've got my man E. McMillan. He is a big fan of them. He does absolutely great work. We get we give them the honorary zot zot because apparently that's the sound, that's the sound that an anteater makes. They're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against Cal State Fullerton. That is eight fifty one, eight fifty two on the betting board. You've got this Fullerton team finding themselves as a little bit of an underdog here. You're going to be finding them anywhere between one and a half and two point dogs. Drawing this game is anywhere between one twenty nine and one twenty nine and a half. What I think is really intriguing is just the way that UC Irvine has really been able to get their tempo in nearly every single game that they played this year. UC Irvine, 338th out of 358 D1 teams with regards to possessions per game. You've got a Fullerton team that they've really been able to slow things down themselves. They're in the bottom half in all of college basketball when it comes to possessions per game. But what has been a really big trend, UC Irvine unders. UC Irvine thus far this season, has played 77.8% of their games to the under. The only team that has played a higher percentage of their games to the under, that would be the Austin B Governators out there in the Ohio Valley Conference. And when it comes to when you're able to get out of Cal State Fullerton, this has been a team that has really been able to adapt to playing a little bit more down low. E.J. Onesiki, who was a double-double machine while he was at Sacred Heart a few years ago, He's coming. been able to give the team 16 points, eight rebounds per game. You've seen the Maddox as Trey and Darius Maddox struggle a little bit for this Fullerton team. They both combine to be able to give you about 17 and a half to 18 ish points per game. And then take a look at UC Irvine. This is a team that they avoid the three point arc like it's lava. I mean, it's absolutely insane. This is a team that, when it comes to the percentage of their shots and the percentage of their points that they wind up getting from made three pointers, it is one of the lowest marks that you're going to find in all of college basketball. UC Irvine winds up having 22.1% of their points come from made threes. That is 350th out of 358 D1 teams. And on the road, they only get about 20.5% of their points from made threes. So I do think that that's something that you do want to be taking a look at. But when it comes to this 14 team, I do think that they're going to be able to do a very solid job in this one just because you do have Onasiki down low, Vincent Lee. They'll give you right around five and a half to six rebounds per game. Been a team that has really been able to turn over a New Leaf in general. I did wind up saying my total at a 125 in this spot, so I'm going to be taking a look at yet another under here with regards to UC Irvine games. I don't feel like bookmakers have adapted enough to the fact that this is a team that is really, really stinking slow. They turn the ball for quite a bit. They do force a few turnovers of their own, and it's really both sides with regards to this one. First time around, you did wind up seeing Kelsey Fullerton go on the road. They were able to get the outright win, and, I do think that they're going to be able to do it once again to an Irvine team that I will say has been very solid all season long. But that said, it's a UC Irvine team that they haven't necessarily been the world's greatest against the spread as well. They've left a little bit of something to be desired. They do seem to be rounding into form a little bit more. But first time these two teams wound up playing, Fullerton got the 65-63 win. I could see something similar here. Seth Fullerton is a three-point favorite. I'm willing to take them as a running line underdog. And I'm going to take a look at the total under as well. When it comes to some of the more demonstrative trends in all of college basketball, UC Irvine Unders is certainly one of them, but if you're looking at another team that has been doing a relatively solid job with regards to totals, that would be New Orleans. New Orleans is going to be taking on Southeast Louisiana. This is going to be on the Extra Games board, so some of you guys might not be able to bet on this until the morning, but 306-199, 306-200, you've got Southeast Louisiana, who is finding themselves... As a very slight favorite in this spot. You're finding Southeast Louisiana in between a 1.5 and a a 2-point favorite. Draw this game, it's going to be the one, the highest that you find. It is at a 159. And when it comes to New Orleans, this has been a team that has been absolutely dominant to the over. Not just this year, but you want to be dating back to the 2018-19 season. That was the first year in which they were readily offered on the Extra Games board. Ever since then, New Orleans... 64 overs, 35 unders, and two pushers. 64.7% of their games have wound up going over the total. No other team in the time span has had more than 61.7% of their games wind up going over. This is a New Orleans bunch that they are really looking to crank tempo. They are in the top 15 in all of college basketball with the guys' possessions per game. They're going up against the Southeast Louisiana team that they do bottle themselves up a little bit more. It's a Southeast Louisiana bunch that Has a pair of guys out there in the backcourt by the names of Gus Okafor along with Keon Clergeau. They've been able to do a solid job being able to combine for about 28 points, five and a half assists per game. It's a Southeast Louisiana team that they do turn the ball right around 14 times per game. New Orleans, they've had a little bit of issue being able to hold on to the ball as well for Southeast Louisiana. It is a bunch that they themselves actually do play a little bit faster at home than they do on the road as well. But I do think that having Jalen Hinton in the glass is going to be good for them. 12.5 12.5 points, 7.5 boards. He's able to give you right around a block per contest as well. But then you take a look at New Orleans, they do have a headline scorer, in Derek St. Hilaire, who's been able to do a solid job giving you 21 points per game. A guy that from three point range has been able to shoot just below 40%. I was expecting a little bit more out of Giant Allen Eikens, someone who, while I was in the Summit League a few years ago playing for North Dakota, was really one of the top players out there in that league has been scoring a single digit amount of points per game this season. Robbie Robinson, the transfer from Nevada. Just has not been able to give this New Orleans team much of anything whatsoever. He was actually a starter in Nevada a few years ago. Was expected to be really a good post player for New Orleans. Has not been able to stay healthy. Has only been able to play seven games this season. Meanwhile, for Southeast Louisiana, Ryan Burkhardt. Ryan's coming in from North Florida. He's been able to give you nine points. He's able to shoot right around 40% from three-point range. That said, this is the spot in which I do mind saying Southeast Louisiana at a a one-and-a-half point favorite. I'd be willing to take two-plus here with New Orleans. We're going to be gauging this line movement in the AM, but... Right now, my lean is towards getting two-plus here with New Orleans, but I do why I'm saying the total at a 155 and a half. You have had Southeast Louisiana do a little bit of a better job, providing at minimum a bit of a speed bump when it comes to defense. And as a New Orleans team, that they themselves, not necessarily the world's greatest three-point shooting team, in order to exploit this Southeast Louisiana. Defense, you're going to need to be able to bomb it from three-point range. I just don't know if New Orleans is going to be able to do that in order to hit this total, but I do think that they're also going to be able to do a very solid job of being able to hold up in the paint as well. So I'm going to be taking a look at two points points plus here with New Orleans and this total under. And then when it comes to what you're able to get with regards to another demonstrative betting trend in college basketball, you got South Dakota State in the road face off against Oral Roberts. Got yourself by far the biggest total out here on the board in this one as Oral Roberts is finding themselves as about a a 3.5-point underdog in this spot. And with regards to the total, you're finding it at an eye-popping right around 166 to 167, depending on where you look. And it's a South Dakota State team that I think that they're going to be able to put up quite a few points as they shoot 45.5% from three-point range in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. They rank in the top 10 in all of college basketball. But with that said, with Oral Roberts, I do think that it's going to be really intriguing to see what you wind up getting out of them as well as this is 807-808 on the betting board as I set them as a three and a half point underdog. So you'd be looking to take a look at South Dakota State as a road favorite. We're going to be talking about that a little bit more later, but coming up next, we've got to hit a little NHL. Minty Betts does a great job over there with Yahoo Sports and she's going to be joining me next right here on The Lookout on Decent Sports Betting Network.
0: VSN, the sports betting
2: network. And we're back here on the Lookout with myself, Greg Spears, and holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight. And it is great to be joined by our guests, as this person does absolutely amazing work over there at Yahoo Sports. You're also able to catch her on MSG as well. It is Minty Bets joining me on the podcast, and the Twitter handle it is easy enough at Minty Betts all together, and it is great to have you aboard tonight, Minty. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me, Greg.
2: And Minty, I do have to ask you a very pressing question because I saw this one at social on social media because now that the football season is done, you've really been diving into hockey. Is the name Minty Betts or is it Minty Nets with an N instead to be able to <laughs> specify the fact that you're just going all in on hockey right now?
1: I'm going all in on hockey now that, you know, baseball's a little delayed right now. I am minty nets for the time being. And you know what? I've kind of been on, you know, a little heater. So I got to embrace it.
2: Absolutely. When you've got the hot end, you've got to do everything humanly possible to be able to keep it going, try to maximize it, if at all possible. And Minty, when it comes to what you've been noticing out there in NHL right now, what have been some things that have really been standing out to you, whether it be teams, whether it be just, spots in general that have really been profitable for you.
1: So recently I have loved NHL overs. There are so many high powered offenses that are super fun to keep up with, super fun to watch and bet on. I mean, Calgary, Colorado, Florida, Toronto, um, also certain goaltenders. I love to solely fade like Sam Montembeau for Montreal, Grubauer for Seattle, Vimelka for Arizona. Those guys in the net are always auto overs for me. So I'm really looking at um, a lot of overs.
2: Yeah, it has been really interesting to take a look at the NHL landscape because we've been seeing sort of runs on overs at times. We've been seeing a couple runs on unders as well. Overall for the season, when it comes to the NHL, we've seen about 51.5% of games wind up going over the total. Typically, you typically see with regards to pretty much all major sports, a little bit of a lean to the under. So I think that that's very important that you wind up pointing that out. And when it comes to a team that is right now smoldering hot, That'd be the Calgary Flames. They wanted sweeping their home stand going 7-0. I believe that they're the first team in the NHL this millennium to be able to sweep a home stand of seven-plus games, and now they're going to be going at it once again on Thursday. It's been a team that has been very much able to make you quite a bit of money recently. They're going to be taking on the Canucks. How do you wind up taking a look at this one with the Flames being right around a minus 170 to minus 175 favorite on the road?
1: Well, so I'm going to look to the total in this one, and it's a little intriguing because it just tells you how strong these defenses are. There's nothing super interesting about the Canucks offensively. They're okay. The Flames we know to be a high-scoring team. Top 20. I mean, the top 20 goal scorers in the league currently possess three players from Calgary, but Jacob Markstrom is having the best season of his career. He's won his last eight, nine starts and hasn't allowed more than two goals in all, but one of those games that Demko for Vancouver also probably having his career best season, uh, but he hasn't done well against Calgary. Um, I do look for the flames to win this and I kind of, like the total to fly under. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll be getting to the window with this one, but I think it'll be like four, one flames. Uh, if there's a team total out for flames. I'd maybe think about sprinkling on the over as high as three and a half for plus money, but I kind of like the under, even though it's that really, really low at five and a half.
2: Yeah. Five and a half is not typically something that you wind up finding in an NHL in this day and age, maybe a few years ago, you'd find a little bit more, but you typically find a couple more sixes. And typically you don't wind up finding a six F With this much juice. And both of us, we bet quite a bit of baseball as well. So it makes it very interesting with this one. How you wind up trying to bet on a game. Which winds up having a very, very chalky money line. As you've got the Blue Jackets taking on the Florida Panthers. Panthers finding themselves anywhere between a minus 380 and a minus 390 favorite. That is a lot of juice. And your total on this game is 6.5 with the over at minimum a minus 130. Wouldn't be surprised if we wind up seeing some sevens if this winds up keep on going up. How do you wind up gauging some of these games in which a money line is as chalky as it is in this one?
1: Oh, my gosh. The money line is super chalky. And I'm seeing also uh, the Panthers on the puck line at minus two and a half. But let's talk about the Panthers real quick. They have such great control to puck. They're averaging a little over four uh, goals for per game, which is insane to me. Most The most shots on goal per game, the third highest shooting percentage. This team's packed with some of the league top scorers in Barkov, Bennett, Duclair, Reinhardt. Um, in the night for Florida, we can expect Sergei Bobrovsky, who should perform better. better than he did Tuesday uh, against the Panthers. Uh, The Blue Jackets are money on the over lately. 8-1-1 to the over their last 10 and the Panthers 8-2 to the over. Uh, Public will probably be all over this over and so will I. The Blue Jackets will be starting uh, J.F. Barube most likely who's only started in two games so I don't quite know what to make of him yet, but I'm going to say he's going to allow quite a few goals against the Panthers tonight. Um, I I don't think Columbus will be able to keep up uh, in five of the Panthers. Last seven wins, their margin of victory was by two or more goals. So I like the over, but I don't know if I I like the Panthers minus two and a half there.
2: Yeah. Laying two and a half on a goal line that, or a puck line. That is certainly something that is very brutal. Heck. I mean, even if you want to take the puck line, you wind up laying a goal and a half, A lot of places you're finding this north of minus 150. So that tells you where you're at with regards to the good year that the Panthers are having and the not-so-great year that the Columbus Blue Jackets are having as well. When it comes to a game that is a little bit tighter, because that is a game with the most demonstrative money line out there, this one's a little bit tighter with the Capitals and the Rangers. Finding the Rangers as a very slight favorite right around minus 120. You might find them a little bit more. You might find them a little bit less. How do you wind up gauging this game? Because the Capitals, they've been able to have a relatively solid season. I know that there's been a lot of people that have been hoping and praying that the Rangers can bust through. I don't know if this is necessarily going to be the year, but they've been able to put together some solid performances as well.
1: Yeah, I, I really love this game. Uh, Igor Shesterkin is one of my favorite goaltenders. He is one of the best in the net this season when it comes to 5-on-5, five five, power play, and hiding your scoring chances. He's New York's greatest strength right now, uh, and now facing uh, the Caps, who are right behind the Rangers in the Metropolitan. And frankly, I would kind of be scared of the Caps if I were the Rangers. Uh, although the Rangers have been on a tear, winning nine of their last 13, and they have guys like Kreider and Panarin. Washington has had New York's number winning five of their last seven meetings. They also have Ovi, who is one of the top leaders in the league in points and goals. Ken Chester can Chesterkin hold up against a high caliber player like Alex Ovechkin? I love this game a lot as a fan. The numbers are telling me the caps as a small dog may be the right side here as the Rangers are dead last in the Corsi 4 percentage and record some of the fewest shots on goal per game. Washington on the road averages 3.4 goals for per game and the fourth highest shooting percentage. Um, This one is kind of a stay away for me. The Rangers have faced strong offenses recently, like uh, Edmonton, Toronto, and Florida, and have won by three goals in all of those games. This is why I'm torn and why I'm staying away. Um, I lean the caps, but I don't want to bet against the Rangers, uh, you know, as they're hot right now with one of the best goaltenders in the league.
2: Yeah, it certainly has been a case in which you do have a hot goalie on that side. And when it comes to Washington Capitals as well, you sort of know what you're going to be able to get out of some of the top scorers on this team, because obviously you got Alex Ovechkin, who has just been completely ageless. Another 30-goal season for him. It's been absolutely amazing to take a look at him at a little bit of an advanced age, but at the same time, when you do wind up running into a guy on the other side that is incredibly hot himself, that does make things a little bit more murky. And when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think that this is an intriguing bunch because, as we know, the regular seasons in recent years have been absolutely terrific. They then wind up falling apart come the postseason, but... For the Maple Leafs, they've been falling on some tough times recently. They've now lost five out of their last seven games, and now they're going to be playing us to a wild team that you've got to feel is is going to be hungry for a win themselves. Wild, you're finding them right around about a plus 135, plus 140 underdog. Total on this game is a a 6.5. How do you wind up breaking this one down?
1: Oh, man, every time I bet... Against the Wild, uh, it always like is bad for me. These are two high-powered offenses. Both Minnesota and Toronto are top four in goals score per game. You got Toronto's beloved Austin Matthews, who is a beast and ranks second in goal scored this season. And then for Minnesota, you have uh, Kirill Kaprizov, who scored four goals in their last seven. Um, I look to the over in this one, even though it is set pretty high at six and a half. If the Leafs, if the Leafs start, uh, in the net, then I will definitely hammer this over. Um, he's not been too reliable. I can see this one being a back and forth for sure. Um, the Wilds have hit the over in five straight games and the Leafs are nine, two, and one to the over their last 12. So I like this to be pretty, a pretty exciting game.
2: Yep, I do think that this is going to be really an intriguing look as well if the Maple Leafs are able to get up off the mat as they've been dealing with a little bit of a slump. But someone who's never in a slump, that'd be you, Menti. You absolutely delivered here on v tonight. You do absolutely terrific work over there at Yahoo Sports. Thank you so much for joining me tonight.
1: Thank you so much, Fred.
2: Now, the only question is, should we be calling her Minty Betts or Minty Nets? As we were talking about a little bit earlier in the interview, she's doing an absolutely terrific job taking a look at all things NHL. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier, the fact that we've been seeing more overs than unders in the NHL and if you've been taking a look at it the last seven days you have seen 59 and a percent of totals that have not landed on a push be going over the total with 25 overs to 17 under so certainly something to take note of there and something else we've got to be taking note of being able to get a little bit of action out there on the hardwood coming up next we're going to be taking a look at actually the gentleman out there in the association right here on Vsin esports bank network
1: wherever you listen.
2: This is The Look Ahead on Vsin, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com, to Check out the current betting split data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are going to be moving. For every single game, you'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion, data is available for money line, over/under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way that Vsin is here to make you a smarter better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every single game at VSEN.com. As it is a look at with myself, Greg Eubie Spears, and big thanks to Minty Betts who joined me in the last segment. We've gotten some good NHL chat. She and Claudia Balafato did a great job of being able to fill us in there. So glad to be able to get those two aboard and. We are going to be able to talk a little NBA here as well. So we're giving you guys a wide gamut of things. As we know, the NBA wound up having a little bit of a hiatus for the all-star break. Now we've got some good matchups that are going to be coming out for this Thursday. And with, with this card as well, because they've had a couple of days to prepare. We've had fewer guys out due to quarantining and everything like that. We've actually got overnight numbers as well, which is big. Because I've been noticing that this year there has been are more situations in which you have not been able to have overnight numbers in the nba so being able to have this i think is very important but now you've got the question of how are some of these teams going to be looking coming out of the all-star break what is going to be happening with some of these teams that wound up making moves during the trade deadline as well like oh i don't know the brooklyn nets who are going to be taking on the boston celtics Celtics opened up a four-point favorite, and we've seen quite a bit of movement here, as right now the Celtics, you're finding them anywhere between a six-half and a, a seven-point favorite against Brooklyn. Jordan game is 213, and with Brooklyn, it is a team that they are going to be playing at home, and that means that they are not going to be having Mr. Kyrie Irving out there, so that's something that you've got to be taking note of, and it's just going to be really fascinating to wind up having your handicap on some of these games as well, especially if you have a situation where It's sort of like a back-to-back where you wind up having the Brooklyn Nets play game number one of that back-to-back at home, and then they wind up getting reinforcements on the road where you might be able to actually upgrade them from what they wind up having in game one at home, and they wind up having a fresh body. So we're going to have a lot of intriguing scenarios when it comes to that. When it comes to this Boston Celtics team, I don't know if I'm in love with laying seven points with this team. Now, I will say, before I go any further with this, I am always an in-game better when it comes to the NBA, just because with the NBA, you've got so much volatility. You've got so many swings. During games, you're going to be playing a little bit more juice, typically, when you wind up doing more in-game betting. But with that said, it is truly worth it, because if you wind up seeing, like, the Brooklyn Nets, let's say that you've liked the seven with them, they wind up getting down, say... 25 to 13 we're just spitballing a number out there in the first quarter you're able to get such a better number rather than doing this pre-flop and having it all come down to the very end you're able to get several points better with regards to value I think that that is very important to take a look at and something else that is going to be important to take a look at is just who the Nets are going to be able to have in general it sounds like you're not going to have Ben Simmons. In this one, there is no definitive date as to when he's going to be able to rejoin the team. You got to think that it's going to be relatively soon. I know that he was obviously dealing with those mental health issues, but that is going to be something to take a look at. You got Kevin Durant, who's obviously out of the full. James Harden wanted to gain dealt for Ben Simmons in that trade. So that is something that is going to be hurting this Nets team. And you take a look at it. You're probably going to be seeing a whole lot of Patty Mills and Seth Curry out there in the backcourt. I wouldn't be surprised if you wind up seeing a lot of Cam Thomas as well. Cam Thomas is always a guy that I've been sort of lukewarm on, lukewarm on a first round pick out of LSU. A guy that is a little bit more of, shall we say, a volume scorer. A guy that was, while I was at LSU, able to give you like 20 points on 17 shots. Not necessarily a guy that's known for efficiency. Not a guy that's going to give you a lot of rebounds, but he'll give you points. Then he'll be able to take shots and I think he's sort of like your black hole sort of player whenever the ball comes to him it's not going to be coming out and then you do have down low Andre Drummond who's been able to do a solid job down low for the team but I do think that the Celtics are going to be able to win this game outright but I'm with the Celtics as well I've got my question marks with regards to this team because Jason Tatum he is absolutely awesome this is one of the best and most high usage guys out there in all of God out there in the entire NBA 25 and a half points eight and a half boards four assists guy just stuffs the stat sheet on a night in a night out basis the problem is you just don't know what you're going to be able to get around the sort of around him with regards to the supporting cast because you've seen a lot of moves with regards to the Boston Celtics in recent years as well to be able to try to get him a little bit of help Jalen Brown has really been the main concept for the team He's obviously been able to get a little bit of contribution out of Marcus Smart as well but Marcus Smart Become a little bit more of an afterthought for the team recently. Guy that's been able to give you right around 12 points per contest this season. Guy that has always been, shall we say, not necessarily the world's greatest at being able to make a threes himself. And you just take a look at what you've been able to get out of someone like an Al Horford, a guy that has been able to do a solid job for the team. Grant Williams, he's able to contribute a little bit, but certainly a case of which. I don't think the Nets wind up winning this game outright, but I do think that Patty Mills is going to be able to hold his own. I do think that Curry coming in is going to be able to help out this team as well. If anything, I'm looking at seven in the spot. But once again, I'm looking at in-game about this thing, especially with these guys coming in off the all-star break. You got to figure that there might be some teams that they wind up coming out on fire. There are going to be some teams that they wind up coming out very, very flat. And I think that that's going to be very important, especially with his first time out for these teams after a little bit of a long break so we're going to be taking a look there when it comes to what you're going to be able to get out there with this Hawks versus Bulls game I think that's going to be very intriguing as well as you've got the second highest total in this one as the Timberwolves versus Memphis Grizzlies game that one is the highest total at 239 this one is second highest right around 235 with the Bulls laying four points and for the Bulls, they've been able to do a solid job of being able to mix and match. They've been dealing with a couple of injuries when it comes to the backcourt. Most notably will be Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. But Io who wound up playing his college basketball out there in the state of Illinois, has been able to be a solid cog for this team. Going into the break, he wound up having 12-plus points in the last four contests, so he's been able to do a great job there. A good, just spot-up shooter. Able to shoot 40% from three-point range. I have no idea why he wanted to fall into the second round of the draft. I recognize that he wanted to play a couple years in college. Apparently, that means that he's just absolutely anti air quotes here, anxious by NBA terms, because if you're not by the age of 20, a lottery pick, apparently you're really old. But that said, Spain would do a terrific job for the team. And really, when you take a look at this full team as well, they've got a little bit of unexpected contribution out of Javante Green. Green is someone who wanted coming in from Radford, was a very. Shall we say under the radar prospect, and has been able to be a very solid pickup for this Bulls team. I mean, you take a look at the Bulls, and it's absolutely crazy what they've been able to do. Because we were expecting Pat Williams to really be a big part of this team, they were taking him as an upside guy about two years ago. He has been banged up for darn near the entirety of the season, but you've been able to find some of these diamonds in the rough, like Ajavante Green. Ayotisumo has paid off in spades for the team as well. Still got Zach Levine doing all that he's doing. One of the most athletic players that you're going to find in the association has been able to put in there 24.5 points per game. And just take a look at this Bulls team in general. They do a good job with regards to their collective, being able to shoot from three-point range. Jamar to Rosen has been able to do absolutely amazing work as well. We have seen MBLA quite a few buzzer beaters for this team. So I do think that he's going to be able to play a very big role in this one. And then it's a Hawks team that's been one of the most underachieving out there in the NBA when it comes to This Hawks team, you just, you need to get a little bit more down low to be able to help out these guards. Trey Young, I mean, we all know what he's able to do. He's been able to average right around 28 points per game. A guy that wound up getting off to a little bit of a rough start with regards to his three-point shooting, but now he's been able to shoot about 38.5% from three-point range. But this is a Hawks team that they're legitimately in danger of perhaps being in sort of that playing game slash missing the postseason altogether. And the big reason why is because, the guys around Trey Young just have not been able to step up. I was thinking that maybe you would see a little bit more out of Kevin Herter this year. I thought that he'd be able to take another stride forward. 11.5 points per game, he just hasn't been able to necessarily progress. You take a look down low, and I do like the versatility of John Collins, but he's dealing with injury right now, so that causes things to be a little bit more, I guess you'd call it brutal with that respect. Now, Onyeka Okongwu, I think could ultimately be a little bit of a cheat code for this Hawks team, both this season and moving forward, a guy that just has absolutely freakish size. During the month of January, was able to average nine and a half points, six and a half boards, and a block and a half per contest, so you really saw him being able to up his game, but when the calendar wound up turning into February, just hasn't necessarily been able to keep that up, so inconsistency is right now not necessarily working in favor of the Atlanta Hawks. If anything, I'm taking a look at the Chicago Bulls in this spot, I do think that the Hawks sort of are what they are at this point, and without John Collins out there, it is very difficult for this Hawks team to be able to function. Now, I do think that Trey Young is going to be able to get his, so I do think that it's pretty rightful that the total is where it is at this point. I do think that you might be able to find a little bit of value to the under, especially if you wind up getting off to a hot start, you're able to in-game this if it winds up getting like north of 240, but Certainly, I do think that you've got yourself a case in which I think that the Bulls should be able to roll in this one. And when it comes to being able to roll, we're going to be looking to roll with regards to college basketball in the final hour. Coming up right here on The Lookout, we've got ourselves a great day of college basketball on Thursday. We're going to try to dive into as many games as humanly as possible in the final hour right here on The Lookout on v these the Sports Banking Network.